to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Good seeing everybody this morning, and hopefully this is the right one, yep. If you could open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 5, beginning with verse 11. 2 Chronicles 5, beginning with verse 11. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of that cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Let's pray. Father, may that be so here today. As we think of your majesty, as we think of your sovereignty, as we think of your grace, your mercy, your love. As we think of what you did at the cross. That for the whole world, you came down from heaven. From your throne room to this earth as a little baby. And grew. And about 30, 33 years later, as a young man, you sacrificed your life on the cross for every single person whether they are aware of that or not. For you so love the world that you gave your only Son that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, not only did they kill you, they put you in a cold slab tomb, but three days later, three days, you rose from the dead and you were alive forevermore, given life to whoever puts their heart and soul and trust in you. May that be the case today of every person here who's listening on the internet. May you speak to us from your word and that you may penetrate all our hearts, the speaker as well as the listener. And we just ask this in Jesus Christ, the name above all names, and all God's people said, Amen. Okay, the staying power of a song. Now, for some of you who don't know me, congratulations. <laughs> but the, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a former phys ed teacher and coach of 44 years. So I might have you do some things today, not many things. Because I always get my class involved. I didn't do all the push-ups and sit-ups and run around to shoot the hoop or whatever, you know. We get involved. So my prayer is today that you will get involved in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. Now, the staying power of a song. How powerful is a song? Think about it. Since you were little kids, the influence of song that has on you. And how many songs still stay with you today if you hear just a few uh, 
notes. It brings you back to maybe when you were a child or a teenager or your 20s, whatever. So here's our first interaction today. I'm going to say something. If you know that, just call it out. If you're wrong, I have a dunce cap here. We'll have you stand over the corner, but only for a few seconds. Only kidding. That won't happen. But just call it out. Just see if you uh, know what it is. And some are Christian songs. Some are secular or some are Christian situations or secular. Okay. You ready? When we've been there 10,000 years by shining as the sun. Awesome. At the twilight's last gleaming, stars fangled burning. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you something. I think you'll understand. Yes, but no. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you something. I think you'll understand. Anybody? The Beatles. I want to hold your hand. Very good. When peace like a river attendeth my way. As well as my soul. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper, brave and sure. (laughs) Gilligan's Island. Do you remember how many passengers? Do you remember how many passengers? Seven, no. Somebody? Five passengers set sail that day. How long was the tour? three-hour tour. The staying power of a song. Think of all the years we just covered with some of those songs. Worship should be a love song to God alone. There's over 100 references in the Psalms that they sang to the Lord. There's 20 passages in the Old Testament that talk about ministering to the Lord. There's a hundred different passages that have worshipers appearing or approaching before God. How important is it, do you think, to pump in the right lyrics to your heart and your soul because of that staying power? Music is a great teacher. Think of some of the children choruses and biblical lessons that you might have learned when you were younger. Jesus loves me. This I know because Jesus loves the little children of the world. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. Boy, wouldn't that be great if some of these songs are still in the hearts of the people throughout our world today? Today's message is titled, A Worth-Shipper's Heart. A a worth-shipper's heart is a worshiper's heart. In Revelation 5, verses 8 to 10, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Heart of worship, what you repeat in words 
and actions you become. Now, one of the things as a teacher and a coach in the different sports we would do, we would always practice the fundamentals. And I like to break up that word, fun-da-mentals. When you have fundamentals, what you're doing is fun. If you don't have the fundamentals, what you're doing is a chore and it's hard and there's more failure than success. And sometimes you feel like if you don't have the fundamentals and you're out there doing something, it's duh. And a lot of times, as we know with almost everything we do, whether it's our business, our family, our sports, how much is mental? Great coach said one time that the mental to the physical is four as to one with the emphasis on the physical. So how much important is how we think about things? And again, with the message today, how important it is to put the right things in our head because the fundamentals of our faith are important. And I know the athletes I used to coach, they got bored when you did the same drills over and over and over again, but that was the fundamentals. So it was like second nature when they got into a game and they did something. But how, how true is that with everything we do? When you go to school and you get an education and you have a degree and then you go use that degree, how, how important is the training that you had to bring that into your business or your sport or whatever you're doing? Very important. What you think is what you act on. How you think is how you act. In Matthew 9, 4, Jesus said, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? You know, we know this, I think, right, for the most part. What we listen to goes into our heart and helps develop our mind. Who you hang out with and the people you interact with, regardless of your age, reinforces your belief system. And what you say, think, and participate in here on this earth prepares you for eternity. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So some of the things we're covering today are fundamentals. Fundamentals for what? Sports? Business? Family? Well, indirectly, absolutely. But the main thing the fundamentals are for is for your individual walk with the Lord, your Creator, hopefully your Savior and Lord. These are fundamentals that we need to check up on to make sure we're, we got them down. And maybe if we strayed from the fundamentals to get back to them. And maybe you never thought about it this way. You know, one time I was in the choir. James, are you a ventriloquist? How'd that get over there where Pastor Paul is sitting? And I found out later that some of my teammates, team mates, complained to the pastor that they didn't want me on the worship team. And they told the pastor if he didn't kick me off the worship team that they were going to quit. So the pastor comes to me and he said, listen, Vinny, I know your heart's in it and, you know, you're trying your best, but I would like you to quit. <laughs> True Christian love. But I said, pastor, why? He goes, well, some of the people on the worship team that you sing with don't want you up there with them. Well, pastor, I know 50 people who don't like your sermons, and you're still preaching. 
So in Romans 1, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That should be a daily thing. When we wake up, Lord, here I am. Use me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to overflowing because I have no clue what's going to happen in my maneuvering today, but you do. And you know, when you start your day with God, guess what? By God, you'll have a good day. And then the second part, or the second verse of Romans 12 is, and do not be conformed to this world, speaking about the world system, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So important that we do these things. In John 4.24, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, a few weeks ago, the reason I chose this particular message on worship was not to try to make the worship team. But it was in my own individual walk with my God, who hopefully is your God. And just to deepen my um, love for him, my walk with him. And if you look it up in the New King James, the word worship is mentioned more times than the word prayer. And I think of people like Paul and Barnabas when they were in the uh, jail, or Paul and Silas were in the jail, and they started singing, and you remember what happened? The chains broke, the doors opened. Thinking of uh, um, Joshua and his army. He had all the singers in the front, and they marched the wall, the Jericho, around the walls of Jericho, and they all came tumbling down. And what is the power of song, the power of praise, the power of worship and breaking down strongholds in your life and my life and things that we encounter in the course of a, a day, a week, a month, a lifetime, maybe something that's still uh, hindering us or hampering us. Well, I want to point you to the time that you spend singing out to the Lord, finding some praise that you like whether it's contemporary, you know, or whether it's older songs. You see, the heart of worship has nothing to do with the melody. It has to do with the attitude of the individual heart. And when those individual hearts are collectively on one page, on one mind, like 2 Chronicles says, they were one. Like a team that is one. They're working together. They're not trying to outdo each other. They're just trying to do one thing. And our one thing in worship should be collectively raising our voices to praise the one who is worthy of that praise. And I think sometimes, don't you? I know I do. I get away from that. I'll say, oh, I don't like that song. I don't like that beat. I don't like the speed or lack of speed. I don't like the emotional response. But shouldn't it be, I don't think Paul had an iPod in the jail. I don't think he looked for songs that he could play. I think he, out of a heart of worship, him and his buddy worshiped the Lord and the Lord honored that. I think that's so crucial. So we have to maybe redirect, how are we worshiping? You know, you know, if you're not a good singer, did you know there's a filter in heaven as it goes through to God's ears that it sounds like the greatest singer in the world? Did you know that? That's not biblical. That's not biblical. But God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Worship. The definition is to bow down to reverence, to fall down, to stoop, to crouch, to lie flat. And some of you might say, well, if I lie flat, I'm going to need help to get up. But remember, it's not, the importance is not your body position. It's your heart position. 
Your heart can lay flat. Your heart can be prostate. Uh, no. Let's move on. Your heart can be in that place of reverence. So I want to look at that worship of God in spirit and truth. The spirit, small s, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit in each of us, is that part of humanity that gives us the ability to have an intimate relationship with God. Whenever the word spirit is used, it refers to the immaterial part of humanity that connects with God, who himself is spirit. So you have God the Father, who is spirit. You have Jesus Christ, who came down and took on human flesh. And you have the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. Tremendous mystery that we won't understand till we're face to face with God. That's coming. We're going to be understanding that. One Corinthians two nine to thirteen says, "But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him." Did you catch it? There's things going on that we have yet to hear yet, have yet to see that God has prepared for those who love him. What are those things? Think of some of the great things that we've seen or heard while we've been on this planet. It pales in comparison to what God has for us. But God has revealed them to us, notice, through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. And I want to stop there just for a second. It's very important to understand that everyone on this planet have some sort, has a spirit. And like that definition, that spirit shows in how they do things, how they act, what they say, how they react. But notice here that we have not, we, now we have received not the spirit of the world. You and I had the spirit of the world. We had it. But when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he gave you his Holy Spirit. So now that the things of God can be discernible to you, that before when you were just in the spirit of the world, you were clueless. Duh, duh. You were clueless. You didn't have the fundamentals of the things that God wants every person on this earth to have. Now notice as we continue that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. This is not something any of us have earned. It's not something we can do or try harder. This is freely given to us by God. It's His grace. The acronym grace, God's riches at Christ's expense at the cross. We get those riches freely and they're abundant and they never end. His grace is always being poured out. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, all of us, when we were born, we had a sin nature. Our spirits were spiritually dead. All of us. I saw Shelby and James' little beautiful baby here today. Not that old. Right, Shelby? Like a year, less than a year or no? Where are you, Shel? She stepped out. Less than a year, James? As a dad, you should know too. So four months? Thank you, bro. Has a sin nature. 
then sometime as we get older, we start understanding right from wrong. And then we start doing things that we shouldn't be doing and we are ashamed most of the time to tell other people what we've done in secret. That's that spirit nature. But thank God Jesus loved us so much that he came down because, see, when you have a spirit nature that stays a worldly spirit nature, then you're going to be judged one day before God himself. But he loves us so much that he went to the cross to take our sins on him so that me and you did not have to pay the price for our sins. There was an exchange there. He took our sins. He bled and died for you and for me. Now, your part is accepting that, believing that, trusting in Him. Becoming a person who wants to know what Jesus says through His infallible Word, which is Genesis to Revelation. And we can compare spiritual things with spiritual. The next part of that verse is, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. It doesn't make sense. It's, it, I don't get this. I'm not understanding this. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So, Lord, I pray right now for anybody here or on the Internet who's not understanding certain things that you, by your Holy Spirit, not by the teacher, not by me, but by his Holy Spirit, makes things clear to who's ever listening. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I think a great question is, how much of that mind of Christ is ruling you and ruling me? How much do we submit to the leading of God's Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Jesus Christ? In 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Well, Pastor Vinny, you just did that a couple minutes ago. Yes. Fundamentals. Making it part of who you are. Knowing things, like you did those songs. It's just part of who you are. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit uses men and women to teach others God's word. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But... He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In John 6.63, it says it is a spirit who gives each of us life. The flesh profits nothing. And the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Remember Pilate when he was in the, or Jesus when he was with Pilate in the trial? One of the confrontations or one of the meetings they had was 
uh, Jesus and Pilate standing together. And Pilate, when he was staring at Jesus, asked him, what is truth? And Jesus, or I'm sorry, and Pilate turned away and he just walked away. In John 17, 17, Jesus said in his prayer to his father, sanctify them, which simply means set them apart. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We are reading God's word. We're taking scripture and reading that. Jesus is the word. Jesus is God. Jesus is the truth. So Pilate, who years later committed suicide, was standing face to face with the truth, with his creator. But he wasn't able to see. He couldn't spiritually discern what was going on at that time. D.L. Moody, a former pastor who's going to be with the Lord, said, Music and song have accompanied not only all scriptural revivals, but are essential in deepen, to deepen one's spiritual life. Music and song. So one of the fundamentals, or the main fundamental today, is try to deepen your spiritual life through music and song with you and your Creator. The reason we exist is to worship God. And here's some scriptures. We've been created to worship God in Isaiah 43, verse 7. We've been chosen to worship God in 1 Peter 2.9. We are called to worship God in Psalm 95.6. And we're commanded to worship God in Revelation 14, 6 and 7. I know there's some sports people here, but even if you're not, I'm sh I know there's music people here, and I'm sure you've been to concerts or to games. And I know right now, you know, a lot of the country, a lot of the world is waiting for Aaron Judge to hit a 61st and 62nd homer. And the stadium is filled just to see him hit this home run. And when he comes up, there's a cheer of 40, 50, 60,000 people. And throughout the country, millions are just riveted on every pitch. I'm asking this of myself. And I'm asking it of you. When we worship, do we give our God, do we give our God, that undivided attention that man gets. You've been to a concert. You're waiting. All the lights and the smoke is building. The tune is building. And all of a sudden, the band comes out or that singer comes out. The place goes bananas. Giant stadium. 70, 85,000 people go crazy for this man or woman coming to the stage. They are given praise for what they've accomplished, what they've done. But again, I ask myself this question, and I ask you. Do we give God that kind of adulation and praise and concentration and hanging on every word? And if not, how come? Why not? Is there an imbalance of spirit and physical? Do we have too much a mind of the world versus too much a mind of Christ? Where are we? That's an individual check. That's an indiv I have to look at myself. And like I told you a few weeks ago, this is what God was putting on my heart for me. And a lot of times the things that you're hearing up here is what God has been put on the pastor's heart to share with you. There's a pastor who said worship is communion with God in which believers by grace center their minds attention and their hearts affection on the Lord. Humbly glorifying God in response to his greatness and his word. Then another fellow said, worship 
It is the dramatic celebration of God and His supreme worth in such a manner that His worthiness becomes the norm and inspiration of human living. The worthiness of a worshiper. The worthiness of a worshiper. How worthy is our God? How worthy for what He did for us when He went to the cross? How worthy when He rose from the dead? How worthy when He ascended into heaven and 40 days later sent His Holy Spirit? How worthy is He that removed our shackles of sin and set us free to understand things spiritually that we had never understood before. How worthy is He? He is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be honored. He is worthy to be glorified. Even the angels in Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. We see the first worship of men. men, Let's do it again. Forget what I just said. We see the first mention of worship in Genesis 22.5. When Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. I remember when I uh, was coaching back in the early 80s, uh, one of the boys, Lee, Lee Smith, who's gone on to be with the Lord at a young age. He was in his 20s and I'm talking he'd be in his 50s right now. I'm only 45, but I don't know how that works out. When I was a player in the early 80s, or he was a player, he invited me to a youth group. And I never had been to a youth group before. And they did a song from Exodus 15, 21. Sing to the Lord a new song. Or I'm sorry, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed graciously. The horse and rider has been thrown into the sea. And I said, wow, that's what happened with Moses. This is me as a young guy saying, wow, that's cool. It was in a song. What happened to Moses? Because, see, I wasn't brought up going to Sunday school and stuff, so I didn't hear all the neat things that the kids hear at the young age here. But I said, what, what a neat way to remember. And I still, I won't sing it, but I still remember the song today. <laughs> in 1 Kings 1, 39 to 40, Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and he anointed Solomon And they blew the horn, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, him, and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth seemed to split with the sound. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that power of God's presence in a worship congregation that God just pours out His Holy Spirit on every single individual who is praising Him as one. In 1 Chronicles 23, 5, it says, 4,000 were gatekeepers and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, which I made, said David, for one reason, for giving praise. He made those instruments just for giving praise. There are 24 mini choirs that were spread throughout the land of Israel back in the Old Testament. So if you went to certain cities, these 24 people choirs would be in those towns singing. And the priests and the Levites, they ministered the things of God. The priests ministered those things of God. The Levites did those things related to worship. They were positioned throughout Israel so travelers would be hearing the music as they were going to and from the city. 
24 of the leaders will live in Jerusalem in the housing around Solomon's temple. Each year they would draw lots to see which one of the 24 groups would lead worship in the temple. And when they were chosen, they would have two weeks of lead and worship. They were the praise team for those two weeks in the temple. When they left, when their two weeks are up, the next group is coming in for another two weeks. And this would go on and on for the whole year. Now, there's only, there's 50 weeks in the Jewish calendar. So it would be two groups per week. That would only equal 48. And what they would do the last couple weeks was during the major feast of the Jews. And they would all get together, all those groups, and there'd be like 4,000 of them that would just be praising God. And they would all sing. They would all sing. And there were hundreds of thousands throughout the land that were singers that wanted to be part of these many worship teams. Praise was so important. So many stories in the scriptures how singing was crucial in the history of Israel. You and me are those worship teams. Every time we open up service, every time we close service, we're those worship teams. And you and me might say, I'm not a good singer. My, my voice is, I can't talk today. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. It's the heart of worship. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In 2 Samuel 24, as we close, David said, let my Lord... This guy named Aranua said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. David, you can have it for free. Take it. You're the king. And offer it to the lord. Look, here are some oxen for burnt sacrifice. And here's threshing implements. And the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aranua has given to you. I'm giving it to you for nothing. And Aaron has said, you know, may the Lord, your God, just accept you in these offerings. Then David, remember the heart of worship, okay? Just remember David, a man after God's own heart. Then David said, no, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, and David built there an altar to the Lord to offer to him. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. What Lord's over you here what Lord's over you and I here, will determine where you spend your eternity, whether in heaven or in hell. And in closing, may this take on a deeper, richer meaning for you. And if you can follow with our opening text in 2 Chronicles 5, beginning with verse 11. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the most high holy place. For all the priests were present, had sanctified themselves without keeping to their division. And the Levites who were the singers, although of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun 
with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Before I finish up, remember the scriptures say that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a king and a priest of the most, highly, most holy God. But Pastor Vinny, I don't feel like a king or a priest. Doesn't matter. The head coach said you're a king. You're a priest. In his kingdom, that's who you are. We get to practice here for eternity. In the Our Father, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Shouldn't we be kingdom kids who every time we sing, we pray. It's given glory to only one because that's the only reason we can do it. And I think when we do those kind of things, the world will start being impacted one person by one person by one person. Verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Remember, Peter and the boys wanted to build the tabernacle up on the Mount of Transfiguration because it was Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Let's build booths for these guys. And then the heavens opened and the cloud descended and they fell prostrate on the ground. And the voice was heard saying, this is my son. Listen to him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to pray for anybody who might want to receive the Lord today here or I'm at home. And you could be at home. You could be here and saying, well, Pastor Venny or whoever you are, you don't know what I've done. We don't have to. We've done the same or worse. We're not anything special up here. We're just heeding to the voice of God like most of you are. But if you are here today or you are at home and you've never heard the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The good news is you do not have to pay for your sins, no matter what you've done. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. For God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, that if you believe in him and trust in what he did, he takes your sins and now he becomes your Lord and he becomes your savior, not just for the next year, 60 years, whatever time you're walking on this earth, but for eternity. Mickey Mantle, who was my idol growing up, was a boozer, a womanizer, and the last few years of his life, he got into the real hall of fame, the one in heaven, filled by believers of Jesus Christ. So maybe you've heard before this message, and maybe now it's your time. If not, we've watered some seeds, and we pray that somewhere down the road, before you leave this planet, that you'll put your heart and trust in the one who died for you and loves you. 
Remember, the Bible, the Word, basic instructions before leaving earth. We're all going to go. Please be secure where you're going because that's why God came down to give you that opportunity. So if you're here or on the Internet and you would like to receive the Lord, you can stand in your place. You can come up here. doesn't matter. Remember, it's the heart. It's all about your heart. Listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossroads. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10:30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org Thanks for listening and may God bless. Let's